All right. Hello, Fantasy Disc Golf fans, and welcome to Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Matthew Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill Disc Days. And I would like to officially welcome you to episode number 16 of Chill Disc Days. And on today's show, we have a special crossover episode. We have uh, joining us our sports ethos golf expert, uh, Mike LaFemina. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be on. Talk a little golf. Yes, sir. Excited to have you on. I know it's uh, we're doing this on a Friday night. Mike's on the East Coast a little bit later. Yeah, I thought this would be good with Fantasy Disc Golf being relatively new. Uh, figured what better sport to look at than golf and who better to bring in than Mike, our, our golf expert. You do the article write-ups for Sports Ethos and, and just wanted to just kind of hear about how you got started getting into, getting into Sports Ethos and, and fantasy sports. Sure. So Sports Ethos, um, just linked up, uh, with Dan on Twitter. Um, you know, he, he reached out, was looking for some people, uh, you know, doing some writing was something I had always thought about getting involved in, been playing fantasy sports for a long time, uh, you know, starting back with just season long fantasy football leagues back in the teenage days and just been progressing from there. Um, yeah. And just figure, you know, it's time to see, try something new and, um, you know, just been doing that ever since. So, yeah, and I know you mentioned a little bit before the show that you you had started off with like DFS football. Did you uh, do yeah. basketball too? Is that how you followed Dan? Uh, no, I, I I don't remember exactly how I stumbled across him, but he popped up on my timeline somehow, <laughs> and I I forgot so he's a monster on Twitter. So he you know he's he everywhere. Is. he's everywhere, and uh, yeah, I I dabbled in some fantasy basketball, but never, nothing serious. I'm, I'm not too good at it. You know, I, I follow the league, but I'm not like, it's not my huge passion like football and golf are. So those are my top two for sure. Golf. Yeah. So how did you, uh, what got you into golf? How long have you been playing golf and, and um, fantasy golf? <laughs> all? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always liked golf. Obviously Tiger Woods was a huge influence in that um, growing up. And then, you know, I, I do, if, if you want to call it play golf in real life, it's, uh, it's not good. So I, uh, it's why there's and, handicaps, right? Exactly. Exactly. I wish they had and that in disc golf. <laughs> I was always, uh, I was always more of a baseball player. So I still got that baseball swing going and, uh, working on it. It's getting better a little, little uh, every, every year. But, um, yeah. And then fantasy golf, uh, you know, just that's been, kind of, you know, probably four or five years now, just the rise of that with, with DraftKings. It's it's definitely gotten a lot more popular over the last few years. Um, I think COVID had a lot to do with that. Golf was the first major sport to come back and people were starving for sports at that time. And, you know, it's, it's accessible. It's, it's, you know, it's gained a lot of popularity since then. Yeah, absolutely. Disc golf uh, had a huge spike. Yeah, I can huge, imagine. Can yeah, imagine. huge spike during COVID. Just like everyone was itching to get outside, and 
yeah, disc golf had a huge spike in popularity too. And, and if you have a ba- uh, baseball background, that <laughs> translates really well to disc golf. So if you that's ever it, think it. about sling, yeah, there's a lot of people like Paul Macbeth is a big name. He had a baseball background and translates it very well. So if you ever think about slinging some discs, I think you, yeah. <laughs> you should probably have the uh, muscles for it. Oh, there we go. Banging some chains, as they say. Yeah, buddy, you know the, uh, you know the lingo already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I got a guy at work who, who does it. So you're talking about it a little bit. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, dude, I really been liking like your, um, write ups for, for sports ethos doing the, um, check out Mike, um, on Twitter. M. LaFemme 10, he's does some amazing article write-ups before. And I know, um, before we get too much in the fantasy stuff, I know the WM Phoenix Open's going on right now. So, right, right. um, I know, uh, you just do the articles, don't have a show. So I wanted to see if you, um, wanted to give any like early season golf, like takeaways, what you've seen maybe at the Phoenix Open right now or, or, um, anything fantasy golf that's caught your eye early in the season. Yeah. Um, Good players win. No, it's <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't been a year of the long shots early on here. Um, it's it's a different dynamic this year because the PGA has these designated events. Um, so what these are new for this year? It's kind of to combat the the defections for to to the Live Tour. I'm sure you've heard about that in the news. Um, so they they have these designated events throughout the year that are these elevated prize pools, um, and so it's it's bringing the fields of the bet and it's attracting the best players to play more often in these events. Obviously, because there's like this week, for example, there's three point six million dollars to the winner. It's so a twenty it's, million. I saw the purse was twenty million, yeah. so it's three point yeah. six to the. <laughs> yeah, up top. That's crazy. Yeah, so they ha- they have I get the exact number off the top of my head. I think it's a total of like sixteen of these throughout the year. So it's this is the second one so far this year. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been a, a lot of the favorites so far, um, which is you know, which is fine. Um, I, I like to sprinkle in some bets on the long shots. Uh, We've had success with that in the past years, but no dice so far this year. <laughs> so these designated events, because uh, disc golf, we have like, they're called like elite series and silver series. So your elite series, um, basically what you're doing is you're accumulating tour points throughout the year. So the elite series gives you the more points and then silver series um, less points. And then at okay. the end of the year, however many tour points you have, you're qualified in for the tour championship, which is the big purse. So like up leading up to this and, and I'll just be transparent. I am I'm not super familiar with golf. I don't have a huge background at all, but did they, was it pretty much just all the events were the same? And and then like, I know the majors are for surely, you know, those are the ones everyone yeah. wants to win. Um, But is there like a, like an end championship that people are working towards throughout the season to get to? Yeah, it's a little manufactured to be honest um, because Really, the four majors every year, that's those are the prestigious tournaments of the mm-hmm. year. Um, so, and the last one is the Open Championship across the pond over in United Kingdom. 
uh, and that's in July. But the golf season runs through the end of August, early September. So to generate interest in that, you know, I think it's been about 20 years or so. They they have the FedEx Cup playoffs, and so every tournament throughout the year you're accrued, accruing FedEx points as long as you make the cut. Obviously, first place gets 500 points. Typically, uh, it's a little more than that for some of the majors, and then less and less the lower down the leaderboard you are, and then the top uh, 125 make the first round of the playoffs, then that gets shaved off the next week, next week. And then there's the tour championship at the end of the year, which is the final 30 guys. And that has a huge purse in it as well. And they have a huge first prize, you know, for first place at the end of the year for the tour championship. FedEx points. That's a, that's good advertising FedEx. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's (laughs) that's smart. I think the uh, disc golf pro tour should do something like that because they just call it DGPT tour points. But, uh, Get some more sponsorship money yeah, in there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, get those bigger purses. We are we're we're getting more money into disc golf, but yeah, definitely like uh like Paul Macbeth got a ten year ten million. So like that's that's okay, the high yeah. that's the high that's end. Still a good chunk of change. Still a good yeah, chunk of change. For sure. Uh do they and then I wanted to ask a little bit, like, do they have like female players do tournaments at the same time or how does how do the female tournaments work they have their own separate tour so it's the lpga um yep they don't it's just two separate entities really there's no as of now there's no you know like mixed events there's there's a non-sanctioned one in december that's not really event but they have like a tag or not tag team but duos event and like some of the the men and the women you know join as a team but there's no official event that crosses genders yet. There's been talks of some people floating that idea out because, you know, there's 40 plus events throughout the year. And like some people want to see some variety of them. So it's not just a mundane, another golf tournament this week, another yeah. golf tournament. It's same old, same old stroke play. So people crave that stuff. Uh, some team play, some, some match play, different not just regular stroke tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you guys have a lot more players. Like, but I know disc golf, they usually have the FPO start yeah. early. Um, and then MPO starts later in the afternoon. So you can usually, like, if you're a spectator, get to catch both coverages at the same place. Um, cool. but then, uh, but amateurs, do they play the same tournaments at the pro or do they do this separate day? Are those separate? Is that a separate tour as yeah. well? Yeah, they, they, it's more, they, yeah, that's a completely separate thing. They have amateur championships throughout, throughout the world. They have junior amateurs. They, um, most of those is, uh, filled with col- current college players. Those are, those are usually the top amateurs in the world. And then, you know, then they have a lower, it's, it's a professional tour, but it's a lower tour called the, Corn Ferry Tour, it's kind of like the breeding ground for the next players on the PGA Tour. So that's kind of your building blocks of your starting tour. Unless, unless you're like a super elite. Like like a G League, maybe? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
and you got to work at the end of the year, they have a corn Ferry championship and so many people earn their PGA tour card for the year. And then guys, certain guys lose their PGA tour card at the end of the year. So it's always kind of recycling in and out at the bottom there. Gotcha. Um, Do you do fantasy for the, uh, the, any of the, the women's league or the, do they have fantasy for like amateur leagues or anything like that? No, just just the PGA Tour at the moment. I'm sure if you scour the internet hard enough, you could find some hardcore, you know, season-long golf league for amateurs or, or the LPGA. But, uh, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, it's, it's just PGA right now. Gotcha. One thing that interests me about disc golf is uh, they're going to be able to pull from directly from the Professional Disc Golf Association site. So you can have, like, local tournaments. So, like, these players, you could pick... You know, if you go to a local event, you could pick yourself, you know, on your fantasy oh, team. So I yeah. just think that would be interesting if maybe uh, like an am golfer or whatever is like doing a local, you know, local tournament, picking themselves with their buddies, whoever are playing there. I don't know if they have that kind of setup. <laughs> no, they they just keep it with the pros for now, for better or for worse. But <laughs> It's probably better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better competition. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, let's see. So yeah, transition to fantasy. I'm curious because, uh, about like where fantasy, fantasy golf kind of stands, like in terms of like what platforms they're on. I know you mentioned like DraftKings. So daily, obviously is probably a big thing. I know I've seen your yep. DraftKings write-ups, but, um, yeah, like, um, season long, is it ESPN or Yahoo or what's this? We'll start with season long, kind of like what's that set up like? Yeah, it's kind of barren, in all honesty. Uh, there's there isn't there isn't one on ESPN that, that I'm aware of. Um, I think there's like a small one on Yahoo that you can do, um, and then um, that's I'm not too aware of that many season long golf. It's kind of like at home leagues, just custom created leagues. Um, something that's kind of getting popular in lieu of like a season long league is one and done pools. So you pick one golfer each week and, uh, whenever they earn that week towards as far as like money goes, that's what you get in the standings and whoever accrues the most money at the end of the year is the winner of the pool kind of thing. Those, that's kind of the alternate to. DFS that's kind of growing in popularity with golf with the last few years. You know, it's quick and easy. It doesn't take too long to do too much research. You just, okay, I'm going to pick him this week and, and you're on, you're on, on it away with your week. Is there, is there any limits? Like, uh, like, can you pick anybody you want or, and can you like reuse picks? Is there any kind of limits to the selections you can make for that? Uh, you can pick anyone. You just, once you use them, that's it for the whole season. So it's kind of okay. like a survivor yeah, league. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Yep. Golf survivor, basically. I, yeah, that was my last episode was uh, getting into the uh, disc golf survivor leagues. They have to oh, place okay. top 15 and you can't reuse any of your picks. So you're okay. just, you're looking at that tournament. Who's going to fish top 15. I think that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a thrill to, pick a guy that he doesn't make the cut and you get zero dollars that week. So that's, <laughs> that's always fun. But uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it 
it's a different way to invest in a in a golfer you might think might do well that week. Um, there's some different strategies. You know, some people map out their whole year about who they're going to, you know, this guy typically does good at this course. I'm going to use him here or uh, I'm saving the elite players uh, for the majors because that's mm-hmm. who typically tends to win majors. Other people just are like, uh, this guy looks good. It, they're on their way. And those are the people that do the best. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, save save the elite guys for the majors and then try to right. go through. But going, circling back to the designated friends, that's kind of changed one and done strategies this year because a lot of these designated events like this week, we mentioned it's $3.6 million up up top for the winner. Some of the majors don't even pay out that much for first place. So it's kind of uh, changing up when you want to use people. Yeah, I guess that uh, when I was just doing a little bit of research on golf, I think like total value, like the the events they're playing was like what has the like the big names? Are they typically just taking the majors and maybe a few events here and there, or are they pretty like are they pretty consistent on tour? Yeah, there's some guys more so than others, um, but they all have their favorite stops. You know, they, um, there's some lesser events that the, the, uh, the elites tend to skip, um, you know, the week before a major, not super popular. It also depends on the course, I guess, but, um, they're fairly consistent. No one, like, there's a few guys that go crazy and play every single week, uh, of the higher ups. Usually that's lower end guys because they're, they're grinding away, trying to keep their tour card, you know, get their name grinded. out there. Yeah. But it takes uh, the, probably one big win to get your name out there. Yeah. At least one or two. And then you can pretty much set your own schedule from there. Once you're an established guy, like a, like a Rory McElroy or, a, or a John Rob, those guys aren't, are pressing to play at any events. They get, you know, they get to pick and choose where they play. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's like part of fantasy is like, like, uh, the total value. Like if you're taking Anthony Davis in your draft and then you're expecting him for the full year, you're setting yourself up for <laughs> failure, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Street so, clothes is what they call them, right? <laughs> what you, I, I think what I heard call? Char- street clothes on, uh, <laughs> I think Charles Barkley and Shaq called that all the time. Call Anthony Davis. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I I have a lot of resentment towards Anthony Davis because I was in college in 2012 at KU when Kentucky uh, beat our, yeah beat uh Thomas Robinson and Jeff Withy that KU team. Uh, I remember everyone stormed um, yeah stormed the street. Kentucky signs got tore down that night. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, he, he, got, he, got, he got the daddy last year, right? We did. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to call too early for a repeat, but I, I like our chances yeah. this year too. They're looking good. They're looking always yeah. looking strong. Yeah, yeah, dude. If Jalen can get like less than ten points and get a victory <laughs> against a top five team, like yeah. I like, I like that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you? Where are you from? I live in Connecticut. Um, so. Are you a husky I'm guy? Not, I'm not. A, I'm not a Yukon guy. I was. Okay. I was. I'm. A, I don't know. It's. It's weird, but uh, I've always been a Providence guy. So uh, that's that's my college team. So I, 
I always go for them. They uh, they gave Kansas a pretty good run back uh, that, last year. That was in, like, uh, yeah, okay. In Sweet Sixteen last year, yeah. They uh, you know, they're never trying to winning a national team. championship anytime soon, but you know they're. Yeah, no, I'm trying to remember that game. Did you guys? You guys had some good. Was it guards? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that gave us trouble. uh, Jared Bynum. Yeah. I think Providence. I want to say they had a. Maybe not a lead, but it was within four. Pretty. Pretty late into the second half of the. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Remy Martin just saved us that game. Yes. I remember him now. Okay. Now it's coming, it's name, coming back like, to yeah. me. I remember he, he totally saved us against you guys. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. You're inspiring me to re go back and rewatch some of those tournament games to get excited <laughs> for March madness. This is a weird time for me for fantasy or sports in general, because there's like fantasy basketball playoffs coming up, uh, fantasy disc golf draft seasons coming up in a couple leagues and then chiefs got the super bowl coming up on sunday so a lot going on sports wise right now (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's uh definitely a fun time to be part of speeds sports ethos talking sports um so yeah let's get to uh, so dfs so you they're on draft kings um do they have like prize picks as well i'm sure for golf yep yep thrive um they i they have round round by round props. I throw round one props uh, in my article each week. Uh, obviously, round one is all that's available before the tournament starts. So pick a few of those out. Try and give out some winners. I think we're at nine and six so far in the year on those. So doing pretty well. Um, yeah, and um, FanDuel has it too. Sometimes. Uh, they they get a little wonky. I, I don't use FanDuel too much, but uh, yeah, that's that's the majority of the fantasy. What, what are the props like? Do they have like is it strokes or do they do like birdies, bogeys, things like that too? Yeah, a combination of all. They have strokes, uh, birdies. You know, like two and a half or more birdies per round. They have a bogeys one, uh, the Huffin Eagles one. It's it's always point five. You know the over on that, uh, and then sometimes they do combos like birdies plus or bogeys plus pars or birdies plus pars. Uh, those ones I tend to kind of stay away from just because it's kind of a. Those are kind of tougher to predict. You know, I I I like doing birdies because that's easy to go back and research, um, and then I'm I'm always an under on eagles guy because. You know, if you're lucky, there's one of them around that it's, but they're pretty rare. So I usually stick to under. Obviously, it depends on the course, but. Are there albatrosses? Have you seen one of those? Uh, there was one last week, actually. Was yes. there really? Yeah, yeah. I think there's been two already this year, but they're pretty rare. Pretty rare. Yeah. I'm guessing, pretty are rare. there, uh, I'm guessing it's like a two on a par five, right? Do you guys have par sixes? No, just par fives. Just par okay. Five, so. But a couple twos. They're pretty rare, but they're out there. Yeah, I've like I can think of three off the top of my head in disc golf. So yeah, pretty. That's crazy that there's been some in the last few weeks, though. I'm sure whoever yeah. took the uh, yeah took that one big. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, so like, 
do they do like any kind of like total I'm thinking like ESPN like total like those points leagues do they any do anything like kind of like that with birdies and bogeys where they give you maybe like a point for par two points for birdie and you just kind of like have a team of players and I feel like that maybe that would be more like a season long kind of setup that's that's just uh what you're describing is how the DraftKings scoring works for oh, okay. daily fantasy. So they issue three points for a birdie, uh, a half a point for a par, you lose a point for a bogey, and then they have some bonuses in there. Um, if it, if they have a bogey-free round, you get additional points. Uh, if they get three birdies in a row, that's a three-point uh, bonus that's limited to once per round. Uh, if all four rounds are under 70, there's a bonus for that too. And then they get awarded points based on finishing position in the tournament. So obviously first place, I think it's 30 points, um, and then so on and so forth down the leaderboard. So obviously you want guys that make birdies and finish mm-hmm. on top of the leaderboard. That's, <laughs> that's what we're looking for. Yes, sir. Yeah. That is a, I was going to ask you like your strategy. Cause like, a. I saw one of your articles I really liked. You're like, oh, I've been picking on this guy and I'm going to pick yeah. on him again. Like, is that kind of your strategy? Do you just kind of like look at a certain few guys like, oh, I'm going to be bearish on him and bullish on him and just kind of ride that or, or I like your write up. So I'm just curious your strategy of, of doing these articles. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's week to week. Um, and it's just kind of taking a look back of what's happened at this course before. Um, and then what type of golfers do well at this course, we get the benefit of PGA being just, there's so much information and data out there about how these guys perform. And we can use that to make informed decisions about, you know, is it a guy who hits his irons really well? Do you just need to make a lot of, does this tournament come down to, you just got to make a bunch of putts. Is it, you know, for this week, as an example, this week's a pretty driver-heavy course. You got to do well off the tee here. Um, so, a lot of tee to green stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're focusing on those types of guys, and then you're blending that in with recent form versus long-term form. Um, and then, specifically for daily fantasy, for golf, ownership comes into into play. Um, you know, there's various sites out there that do their projected ownerships. So you're just trying to get a gauge on that and not trying to build too chalky of a lineup and uh, see, you know, who you can pivot off of and find find a couple diamonds in the Deep rough. values. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A- some people go a little too crazy with the deep values. They think, you know, oh, I found my, my deep value. That's, I, I'm set this guy goes off, I'm going to win. And it doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. You need the other five guys to do well too. So it's, that's, that's something that I think a lot of new players get a little too focused on is finding the mm-hmm. value instead of just building a, a lineup that makes sense. Yeah. I've been a little out of touch with the daily game because I moved from uh, Kansas to Missouri, um, uh, a couple yeah. years. So lost, lost out on that. But, um, like I, I knew I would struggle with that for sure in football, like really try <laughs> to figure out the sleepers and yeah, miss out on some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, 
I've wanted to ask about like I've seen you mentioned like having a lot of stats available for golf. And I've seen uh you mentioned it's like fantasy national golf club um, yeah. in your stuff. Uh would you mind touching on what that is and kind of what they provide? Yeah, sure. So that's that's just one of you know, one of them abundance of sites where you can get um data like that. Um the reason I like it is they break it down into nice easy charts for you. So you can sort by what kind of sample size you want. So if you want like long term, you can search by the past 100 rounds that a golfer's played in the last 50 rounds. Um and you can look at so the main stats that the PGA Tours uses is stroke gain. And for those who don't know, stroke gain is calculated basically there's a fancy math equation. I won't get into all that, but um dude I've the, yeah, it's a, it's a, I've seen something like that for a disc golf and it's, yeah, I'm like, I don't think it's, I fully it's crazy. understand this. I, you know, I'm not a huge, huge math guy, so I'm not going to pretend to know, but basically in, in layman's terms, it's, it's, uh, how, how your shot compares to the average golfer. So for example, an, uh, off the tee, right? It's a 450 yard par, par four. Mm-hmm. One, one guy hits it a 330 yard drive, but he landed in the rough because it takes account where it landed to. Right. Um, and someone decides to use an iron off the tee and they hit it 210 yards in the fairway. It calculates, you know, how often it would take someone to complete the hole from that position. So, you know, even though the guy who hit it further landed in the rough, he's going to have better strokes gain because he's uh, like, 120 yards away compared to the guy who's in the middle of the fairway, who's 200 plus yards away. It's going to more than likely take more shots to complete the hole from that distance compared to the shorter distance. Um, but yeah, so it, it, the fantasy national site, not to go off on that huge tangent, but uh, it breaks that it breaks down the, like you can look up, like I said, by, by sample size, who's been doing well in that. Um, they also have historical data for every tournament that you can go back and look at, you know, who finished where. Um, it gives good course breakdowns, which is where I get a lot of my info in the write-ups, you know, what type of greens are the greens using. The grass, um, I saw that. <laughs> the, like that. The grass, um, the conditions of the greens, are they are they fast and firm? Are they typically slower greens? Um, the yardages, all um it even has granular stuff like uh percentage of the times that a certain hole has been birdied on that course or Eagle percentage or bogey percentage. Um, so just a slew of data that you can just work your way through and you can even make your own models on there. Like uh, I want this particular week, I want, to weigh strokes gained approach, strokes gained putting. You can make it as simple as that, and it spits out, you know, first, second, third, blah, 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 blah. I don't necessarily just blindly follow those, but it's it's uh, a part of the research process during the week for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, like, you know, see that in basketball. There's so many, I mean, even yeah. YouTube video or like people breaking down stuff and then stat sites, even for fantasy specific or 
like stat mute, just so many different mm-hmm. sites and, and like disc oh, golf. Yeah. I could think of there's really one like stat Mando that's been doing it. Um, oh, good. Is it a, is that a paid resource or is it free? That is a paid resource, but um, the, just the raw like strokes game data can be found on PGA's website. Um, they, they take the time to download it all and clean it up and, you know, put it in a friendly user interface. Um, so that, that's really what you're paying for. Um, and the, the usability of it. But, um, yeah, it's like the information's out there if you, if you want to look for it for sure. Nice. So that's a big resource that you use. And then just taking it player by player. I know you mentioned form. How do you pay attention to their form a lot? Are you, um, a big f- like form guy? I, yeah, how, do, how, how, how much do you pay attention to their form when you're doing your analysis? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's probably the top, if not, or a second, you know, most critical thing that I'm looking at every week. It's tough to wait. So, sir, you got know a certain baseline of certain guys. Like, um, if John Rahm has a couple crappy weeks, I'm not sweating it. You know, he's an elite top player in the world. So, um, I'm, you know, I have no problems going back to him. The elite guys, they, they can play well at pretty much any course. So I'm not worried about course history or course fit. Now, if a guy's been truly, truly awful, at one particular stop, yeah, I'll take it into consideration, maybe dock him a little bit, but I'm not going to just completely X him out. Um, but the lower end guys, that's where you kind of want to, okay, how's he been doing lately? Is, you know, is, is this sustainable or, or is this just kind of like a flash in the pan that I, can I take advantage of this? Or is this just something that like I'm not, going to get too excited about because it's not going to last too long because obviously you know he's he's a bottom player for a reason it, it, it doesn't last forever on for him you know yeah for sure i think i just think it's something you have to like look at more because like basketball you can look at things like situation or like who's ahead of you or like what's the pace that the team yeah. plays at well it's like golf disc golf sure. you're kind of sure. like you know you're digging and i think it you know it could help like having um like, it's like a fine line because like, you know, everyone like, like a Sean Marion or, or someone, you know, whose form may look a little bit off, but they have the repetition and skill to make it work for them. Yeah. It's, but like, yeah, like you said, like those deeper players, you're trying to, trying to figure out, you know, is this form sustainable? Can it progress? Maybe like, can it continue to get better? Or is there like a hitch that's really going to prevent right. them from taking that next step so that's just something i think like i was curious about like if form it it, it plays more of a factor more maybe in in golf and disc golf perhaps than in other sports where situational factors could come into to play a bit more yeah it's it's kind of a blend like i said it's long-term form short-term form and the particular course that they're playing that week um, something I want to kind of ask you, how different are the different, uh, like venues and courses in disc golf? Cause in, in real golf, some, uh, it's, it's crazy. The differences, you know, that you can see 
a week to week, you know, courses in the Northeast are completely different than what you'll see in Arizona or in California or something like that. So what's, how different can it get like in, in the woods of, of, <laughs> yeah. Same way. So yeah, they, uh, Statmanda does a good job of breaking down. Um, they typically break it down between like an open hole, a wooded hole or a mixed hole okay. or like even mixed course. So, um, definitely like, you know, your West coast, let's say like coming up, we have Las Vegas, okay. um, challenge. So they'll, it's on a golf course. They have some like bunker hazards, but it's mainly like mainly open. But yeah, once you get to the Northeast, you'll have some like wooded courses. Um, North Carolina golf yeah. is big woods. So yeah, it definitely varies by region. And then like I'm from Kansas and we've had a lot of or hate on Kansas because every time people come out here, it's so windy. Yeah. So yeah. like last, <laughs> last year we had around where the winds were it was like 30 40 mile an hour winds and it, the coverage was just almost unbearable because you know these guys yeah. discs are just getting pushed all over the place and um it's definitely varies depending on, on where you're at sure sure yeah so makes sense yeah taking into consideration like do the weather for sure the wind oh, is a major factor dude, for for golf too um you even see it this week for some reason, Phoenix is getting 20 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts up to 30 miles an hour. And it's wreaking havoc on a course that's already pretty dry. So the wind just dries it out even more. And some of the balls, these guys are just putting it and they miss the hole by a little bit. And there it goes flying yeah. off the green like it's <laughs> well how do so like in disc golf you can adjust to the wind by just th- like throwing more overstable discs like how do golfers adjust to the wind uh the good ones will adjust <laughs> yeah they can adjust you know the pro they're pros obviously they're pretty but good like do you cl- is there um, like a change of, I, like is there a change of clubs that helps in the wind or is it just like direction so, aiming, playing with the wind? Yeah, obviously it depends which way the wind's going, uh, but you can club up or club down. Uh, each club has a certain distance that you're, you're doing. Um, but these guys can also, on a fly, change the trajectory of where they hit the wind. They can hit the ball on a lower lower path and kind of just like cut it through the wind. Um you know, or if they want the wind to take it, they'll hit it a little higher in the air. And just let the wind, you know, take it out. Um, you know, if some guys in a normal will hit the ball a little left to right naturally, uh, you know, if and if the wind's blowing the other way, they can kind of cut it against the wind. Or if some guys go right to left naturally and just kind of let the wind take it on their natural shape shot. So it's they they have ways to counter it, but sometimes you're just at the mercy of the elements of where the wind takes it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why that visual just reminded me of pickleball. Uh just like wow. cutting like you know, cutting <laughs> like uh I played pickleball for the first time like a month or so ago, and my brother, he has this wicked spin on his serve. So okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about like these guys. <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about them cutting the ball, you know. Yeah. different like spin angles on it oh yeah that's the amount of 
that's one of the biggest differences between your average Joe and the professionals is the amount of spin they can get on the ball. You know, they can be 50 yards out, get it up onto the green and have it stop on a dime. You know, a, a regular, a lot of regular golfers have no chance of trying to attempt that, you know, um, where they could be, you know, 200 yards out, get it on the green and have it spin back. <laughs> 30 feet it's it's crazy to watch it's it's, this is why i wanted to talk to you because like people talk about disc golf uh spin too like spin is such a big thing and one of the first things that when i went to a disc golf tournament that caught my eye was drew gibson he like when he throws you can hear the disc like come out of his hand like an audible snap and it just blew my mind like the amount of spin and power these players generate. there is yeah never in my life have i had like an audible snap like that <laughs> Dude, it's, right yeah i just i i'd like i i don't know i don't fall out too but i haven't heard the spin too much so it's interesting to hear you mention that yeah uh especially like around the greed shots um so playing just off the greed trying to chip it on there those those guys are just so awesome with their spin control and it's it's something that most amateurs that's where they lose most of their strokes is around the green so, in the bunkers stuff like that so that spin comes into because when i think of spin it definitely comes into play more for the distance but the spin on the green you feel like is where it yeah. ma- majority of it comes into play yeah for sure for sure Interesting. um you know they 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 monitor their uh, ball speed, uh, club head speed, stuff like that. Obviously, the higher the that, the farther the ball's going to go. Those guys are, you know, the best in the world. They so efficient in their swings. You know, they know how to generate the power compared to regular people. Uh, and that's something they definitely monitor. Uh, and then you know, the spin around the greens as well. You know, they, they got all the angles figured out. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want a uh, funny yeah. video, I can show you a video of me doing a swing at top golf a few years ago. <laughs> That'll get you a good <laughs> chuckle. Oh man. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I've actually heard um, some disc golfers saying that like taking uh, golf lessons, um, even if they haven't played golf really helped with their hip movement. So for sure, that's something I've been like personally working on with my form, getting my hips involved. So like, um, right. Yeah. It's same motion. Really. You're rotating the body and, you know, one's just swinging it compared to uh, tossing, I guess. Is that the ripping, uh, chucking discs, you know, hucking, you got plenty of (laughs) verbs over here for throwing a disc. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, let's, uh, I talked a little about amateurs. Like, uh, do you, I, I like talking about sleepers. So like, do you like ch- these am tournaments to try to find your sleepers for like these maybe deep picks or, or, or like, does it take a while for them to consistently show, like prove themselves to you before you're like willing to make a pick on them? Yeah. Um, I can't say I watch amateurs that it's kind of hard just find them on TV in all honesty. They don't, they don't really show up. They'll show like the amateur championships or if you, they don't even really show college golf all that often. So you know, there, there's some reporters that kind of keep their eye on 
new up-and-comers, so you rely on them to cut. But it's just if I if like uh, going back to that fantasy national site, if I've never heard of a guy, I could usually plug them in and see kind of. But the problem with that is it only records stats from PGA Tour starts. So if the, he has done. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not rolling with them because obviously I don't. You want to? Yeah. You can. I have. I have nothing. I, I. I have no idea if he's a good putter, what he does well, what he doesn't do well. You know, if uh, some guys though are just uh, they're so good that they're on the tour from day one. They skip the Cord Ferry Tour. And, you know, they come in with a lot of prestige. So those guys, I more than more than. Uh, willing to take a risk on just on the talent of those guys. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough with, with new people. I, I'd like to give it a little while. They got, they got to show me something yeah. before I'm what is the- putting my money on them. No, for, for <laughs> sure. It's uh, like investing. You got to invest in what you know. You yeah. Know? I'll try to. Yeah. yeah. That's why I didn't do Bitcoin. Cause I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Uh, Same here. Yeah. That's a can of worms. We won't get into here. What, what is the, uh, golf like uh obviously you know you have golf on your your cable like i guess your big channels but do they have any like youtube maybe like media companies that are doing some like deep dives into to the more amateur golfers uh because i know like this golf you gotta do some deep dives a little bit sometimes yeah not that i've found Uh, it's hard enough just to see full coverage of a pga tour tournament you know um you'll get the last four hours or so of the Saturday and Sunday rounds on CBS or NBC, depending who's picking up the coverage that week. Um, So, you know, the Thursday and Friday rounds, you have to uh, ESPN plus actually covers a good amount of the tournament on Thursday and Friday mornings. And then on golf channel, you can get a couple hours of coverage in the afternoon, but um, yeah, coverage is, it's not great for as popular as the PGA tour yes. is becoming. I feel like it's, it's still not, it's still not where it needs to be. So they don't have uh, an option for you to catch those earlier rounds. They don't put it on like their website or anything or like, or even do like a, maybe a condensed highlight version or anything no, like that. No, there's that. There's some like round recaps uh-huh. on YouTube. If you want to look for, but they restrict the the copyright to their footage so like even actual golfers themselves can't post shots of themselves on like twitter or something like that without yeah so that that was actually phil mickelson's one of his biggest gripes um before he left the pga tour was like he what his dream was all golfers own their own content you know because the content is owned by the PGA. So they, they're kind of sticklers on how it gets shared. It's, it's kind of outdated way of thinking, you know, yeah. compared to like the NBA, right? John Morant goes up and does an explosive dunk. That's all over Twitter. It's posted by 20 different people, right? ESPN's posting it. People at the venue are posting it. And, you know, NBA wants that. They want people to oh, see yeah. John Morant doing that. You know, someone gets a hole in one, you'll see it on the PGA Tours official like Twitter page. 
and that's you know they get very very you know you can retweet that obviously but they get kind of st- sticklers about who's who's posting content i feel like from, that's a from the uh, i feel like that's a bad business man i feel like if you want to generate yeah, excitement like you should be trying ball, to yeah. get as many eyeballs on your product as possible right um and going back to the coverage you know so they have like that espn plus coverage i mentioned on thursday and friday mornings they they have a couple marquee groups that they fall around and then they have like a main feed that just cycles through all the different marquee groups, but that's, I don't know, 12 guys in 156 man right. field. So like, <laughs> that's like these deeper you're guys. You're, guys. Yeah. You usually see the yeah. same top guys cause they're always on the lead card. So it's like trying right. to get into the deeper names for sure. Yep. Could be a challenge. Yeah. It's uh you would think with technology now that they'd be able to figure out a way to, have a camera on every hole or, you know, um, I heard some people toss the idea of every player has a camera and you can kind of just pick your own camera or follow who you want, something like that. But, you know, it is what it is. And we, we deal with what we got. For yeah. Well, I think, uh, honestly, like disc golf probably, I don't think has gotten big enough to the point where, th- yeah, the DGPT has really gotten sticklers on that. Like we have a lot of, different youtube like media post-produced coverage out there even for some of your more sure. local tournaments um you see more media companies I, popping uh, up. I don't i don't remember the guy's name uh but that hole in one heard around the world was it last last summer are you um, talking about the holy shot the james conrad yeah. world championship holy yeah, shot yeah 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 oh yeah <laughs> yeah it wasn't a hole in yeah. one but it was a throw no, it, was, it okay, was a throw okay. in he needed it to push the world championships right, to a playoff right. yeah, that yeah, ended up yeah. winning the playoff for sure <laughs> one of the craziest shots um yeah yeah of all time yeah that generated a ton of buzz and that still gives me goosebumps it's just yeah <laughs> honestly like when you one of the most clutch shots and we uh, one of the most clutch shots in like sports history if really thinking about yeah. like over 200 feet blind to the basket needing to hit it like had to throw it in yeah dude that's awesome yeah. that's awesome so what's uh what's like a typical distant I, I know it's different for every hole probably but like um it's like par three an average hole par four what's kind of what's the main i would say that uh, uh if i had to say off the top of my head i would say out of 18 holes maybe like 10 are par threes six are par fours and two are par fives like depending on the course um right right for sure and and they do a good job of mixing up the the par threes so um a par three you could have a it could be 250 feet wooded hole, or you could have a par three wide open. You got a 500 foot um, one. Las Vegas has a less than 300 foot par four. That's a triple island. <laughs> so it's like oh. you, they, yeah, you, it, like you could go for the, you can go for the pin and try to get the eagle, or you could do like these little triple island 
uh, toss ups, um, try to stay in bounds is, is really the, the touchy, like the landing zone, I think is only like 20 or 30 feet. So it really depends on the, uh, the course, but I would say like your big throwers, David Wiggins got over like 700 feet in a distance competition. Uh, Ella Hansen for FPO just got over 500. So, uh, FPO wow. is starting to get more distance in the game too, but they have a nice, um, blend depending on the course. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've always wondered about because regular golf, most courses are the same ish setup. There's, you know, it's going to be three to four par threes two to four par fives and the rest are par fours. Um, they vary in yardage, but um, that's that's the general setup. So I was wondering if disc golf was the same kind of general pattern or if, or if it mixes up a lot. So it's... Yeah, they usually try to throw in some like technical holes, which will be your par threes. Yeah. Um, for sure. And, and then par fives, usually you won't see more than a couple. You won't usually right. won't see more than a couple on a course. Uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about. Uh, they were talking about. I was listening to a podcast um, with Johnny V and and um, there's a, a disc golf commentator who has an esports background, and they were talking about kind of gambling coming into disc golf. And one of the issues the esports guys raised was with the purses being kind of lower they ran into an issue with like some of these teams throwing matches, like basically making, uh, making more money on um, throwing the match, you know, gambling on themselves, throwing the match than they would with the, the prize. I'm kind of curious how gambling and golf is like, did they ever have that kind of issue with, with golfers betting on themselves? Is there like a code of ethics that golfers have to do with gambling at all? Yeah, uh, golfing and gambling's kind of been synonymous with each other. Yeah, recently, like that's that's what keeps people interested. You know, there's all all sorts of crazy bets going on at the course. I'm probably not during an actual PGA Tour tournament. Uh, there's no instances that I'm aware of. I could be wrong, but um, at least in recent history, of a guy getting busted, you know, doing doing anything crazy like that because you know there's no team elements really to golf on the pga tour you're you're playing for yourself so right tanking it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense you know and and the prize pools are big enough that these guys there's you know there's typically a million dollars for first play every week you know um so they're, they're playing for plenty of money um you know that there's notorious Phil Mickelson gambling stories about you know with other golfers about you know what practice rounds and things of that nature gambling with each other. But um, yeah, they're they're even PGA is kind of embracing gambling. They have you know they'll show you the pre-tournament odds on guys and, and uh, the live betting odds and things like that. So they're, they're kind of, they're embracing it, um, but no controversies that, 
I'm aware of. Yeah, I was just, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wondered, like, I know you're not a team, but like the player could, you know, bet the under on themselves, you know, and then just totally throw it, you know. But yeah. like you mentioned, yeah, with the prize money being so big, I don't know if that'd be a problem, but I could see that being a problem in disc golf because, you know, the purses aren't so big. I don't know if like, you know, if maybe the Vegas sports books or something open up where you could make more money on throwing a match. But I, I'm sure, yeah, golf's got enough money in it where that hasn't really been an issue. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's, you know, um, it's, I think, with it becoming more like legal betting more and more states it's you know some people think you know we heard all a couple of weeks ago oh nfl's rigged NFL's rigged. you know with that the, whole script with yeah, arian foster oh my that. gosh uh, it's all like come on it's it's nonsense like obviously these it's i don't know i don't want to get on that tangent, it was Arian but, Foster yeah, started at all. I was like, "What are you doing, man?" Yeah, <laughs> I and like Sports Illustrated ran with it. It's like yeah, he exposes the script. It's like you know he's clearly joking, right? Like it's uh, right. I so love stupid. all those memes that came out. Like Robert Griffin, yeah. he's like, "Oh, reading the script to how my season ends." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I don't like this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, guys! Yeah. You, even like, even if these are the best players in the world, even if they couldn't even follow that script, even if they wanted to, you know, like something is bound no, to go wrong. No chance, right? Uh, right? Uh, oh, you know, you get the ooh, Vegas always knows. Kind of people and like the public lose, or they lose on their stupid super boosts that the. Sports book offered. And yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but like I was saying, as it becomes more and more legal throughout, you know, it's, it's regulated. I think it's so less shady stuff needs to be going on because it's, you know, it's legal. It's out in the open. Obviously, you know, pro football players shouldn't be betting on games that they're participating in. Right. But, um, you know, so there's no um, restrictions because I'm thinking like uh that uh it's different that ref Tim uh I can't remember his last name Tim Donna uh, yeah Donahue or whatever like so there's yeah. like I'm sure yeah and they restricted like refs you know from gambling so there's no restrictions on the players from gambling on themselves at all I I'm sure there is I'm just I'm not too sure okay. about it um I'm not on your person I. I'm pretty confident there is, but I, I don't know. You would, you would never hear about it. PGA Tour, whenever guys get in trouble, it's always the, on the hush-hush. Yeah, they, all, they all of a sudden have an injury that they're out for a couple of weeks. Like, uh, I, I think Dustin Johnson a few years ago got suspended for drug use. And, like, you didn't – it didn't come out. Oh, D- Dustin Johnson's been suspended for drug use. It's – Personal oh, issues, or something. A few weeks. yeah, like yeah, right, yeah. It's it's definitely <laughs> that I don't. They don't have to like injuries. They don't have to disclose like like in the NFL. There's no injury report per se. There's a guy on Twitter who does it, and he kind of like keeps try keep, scours these guys' Instagrams, goes mm-hmm. through that, you know, watches every quote and every press conference that they're saying, just kind of. 
But sometimes guys just are randomly gone for a few weeks. And it's like, oh, yeah, I sold their injury. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. like why didn't you let it? No. Right, right. Not a lot of communication on injuries. and I mean, they're not entitled to. It's not like a competitive advantage like in football. You have to disclose injuries, right, on the injury report. There's there's no advantage gained by knowing, oh, this guy's got a bum ankle, right? Like that doesn't affect anyone else's. Yeah. The only one I could think is like sponsors, you know, like if right. um, I don't know how sponsorship works with the golfers, but, you know, you probably want uh, your your main, you know, if you're sponsoring a player, you know, you probably want to know his schedule, know when to like tout him up or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, it it I I think those uh, they're just contracts and you're aware our patch when you're playing they're they're on their way you know yeah <laughs> I don't know if I had anything else man uh I, I was cause, uh, my main thing is definitely the season long leagues I was super curious what the season long with the golf was um like yeah yeah it's. It's not as robust as, like I said, I'm sure there's a, there's home leagues out there, but it's not, it's nothing that DFS is king in, in golf. Um, and like I said, one and done pools are on the rise. There's a few, uh, big ones out there that, that have some pretty juicy, you know, uh, prizes where you can do a few, you know, multiple entries. Um, but as far as just like season, that's, it's something that people are trying to get off the ground and and get going. It's since, you know, there's been a huge spike in popularity in golf over the last few years. So I think that's more coming down the line in the future, but for right now, it's, it's mostly daily fantasy and, and the one and done pools that are, that are king in the sport right now. The one so is that uh is that like a is that like a almost like a redraft? Uh, no, like it, was, it was the thing we were talking about earlier, where you pick one golfer. And oh, that's, that's it right. for the year. Yeah, survivor. Yeah, survivor. Right, right. Yep. Got you. I could see a like a even like maybe like a weekly redraft league would be fun. Yeah, where you draft a team of players. Um, I'm sure. I mean, that's basically what you're doing on DFS, but without the yeah. salary, you know, you get a group. You'd get a group of friends and do like a weekly redraft, just in case. Like, uh, I like. I know a lot of people worried about you know if those big names aren't making it to a lot of the events, you could do the weekly redraft, so you don't have to worry about the total value or the events missed. Yeah, I'm like I'm in a league um, where this this one got you pick three golfers every week. Um, it's and you can use them seven times total throughout the whole year. Uh, you can sub them in one golfer out after Friday's round, after the cut is done. And then you can use a mulligan on Sunday and even swap one more guy out. You're allowed a certain amount of mulligans throughout the year, too. And then it adds up the three guys' total prize money for the week. And that's kind of the standings on, on a weekly basis. So just ideas like that um buddies the easiest way to calibrate how well you know guys do for the week it's it's tough to go back and go see a 
manually calculate like total birdies for the week since there's four rounds worth of of info to play uh, and, and do all that manual. So that's, but obviously a site like ESPN would be able to handle that in the future or something like that. Yeah. But, I'm thinking of like, I want to do like an updated like rankings list throughout the year. So I feel like I was going to try to do some kind of manual tracking, yeah. but yeah, man, it's a lot of <laughs> manual. It's, it's yeah, a lot manual of labor, but dude, it'd be like fun to get that, <laughs> like just tracking throughout the year. How many how many tournaments are there like a in a year typical year for so what well, the there was I mean for the big ones I think there was like a thirteen elite series and four majors but then you have the silver series events which I believe there's like twelve of those this year around there but then then you have like different A B C tiers so there's usually tournaments going on. Like every weekend, it just depends on what level of the tournament. I just right. signed up for my first tournament in uh, next month is a C tier. So it'll just be like a one round event, whereas like your A tiers and stuff will be like your three rounders. Um, yeah. Okay. So it really just depends on like what the, uh, how big of the events is. We'll have the purse, how, how many rounds it has. Cool, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But I'm nervous for yeah. that first one. It'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah. How long have you been playing? Uh, I started playing in college. So I've been playing like over 10 years. Wow. But, uh, when I first started playing, it was definitely like recreational. Like I I didn't follow like the pros at all. So I didn't know anything really about form or discs. Um, I went pond diving to get a bunch (laughs) of my discs. So like, you know, people throw in the water, right? Don't go get it. I found like 40 discs. Wow. <laughs> so that's how go. my that's how my bag <laughs> got started. I had like there was like twenty that had no names and numbers, twenty that had names and numbers. So returned returned half, kept the other half. That's how my bag got started. But then um had a couple ACL and meniscus tears and, and playing basketball. Um yeah. so I'm quote unquote <laughs> retired from basketball. But yeah. uh now that like now that disc golf's getting more popular, there's definitely a lot more like um more content out there helping people with form doing form stuff uh, yeah a lot of like helping people progress so i feel like my game's getting better um and, and definitely starting to take it more seriously than i did back in the day when it's just nice to get out and play with your friends i would do skins with my friends we do five on sure. the match and then a dollar a hole yeah yeah <laughs> how long have you been playing golf for um ooh. Probably right around since college time. So around this probably ten to twelve years now. Are we dating right? ourselves? I'm about to hit my ten year uh, reunion and graduating <laughs> college, so I think I'm dating myself a bit. Yeah, uh, I'd be at twelve, so uh, I'm uh, yeah, yeah, I'm 34. So uh, yeah, it's you would think I'd gotten a lot better playing this amount of time but no it Um, doesn't always work that way (laughs) it's not it's not a linear progression um it's it's tough to beat up in the northeast we can only get out for four or five months a year and then you're paused from november through really march even sometimes into april before you can 
play again. And then it's, you know, that the golf simulators indoors has kind of oh. helped, you know, with that. Um, but nothing, nothing replicates, you know, being on the course itself, you know? Yeah. Or even like top golf and all that stuff too. Right. That they have now. I don't know if that actually helps, uh, with driving or whatnot, I'm sure it's fun, but yeah, it's like just going to the driving range and practice. And that's the thing too, you know, you can go to the driving range all you want, but if you're not practicing the right stuff, you're just making more bad habits for yourself. It's it's a frustrating game, but oh yeah, you know, we love it, dude. It's actually I just saw they had a new indoor disc golf kind of oh um, really cool setup where yeah, you throw into a screen. And then it yep. has the disc flying there for you. Oh, I thought was super cool. That's the first time I've seen that. I know they have the golf simulators, but we got that yeah. in disc golf now. There you go. Every, little by little, catch it up, catch it up. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I feel you though. In the winter, we're in the thick of it right now, and I'm itching to get out and get past get past the winter. All the yeah. disc golfers tend to flock to either like Arizona or Florida in the winters to keep up with their game <laughs> yep yep that's what most most pro golfers you see they're they're from california or they're from florida that's uh, i mean not all of them obviously but but 80 you percent know, of them probably are from the those regions of the georgia those regions of the country you know don't see too many hailing from connecticut or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> and it makes but, sense dude they're spoiled yeah. Yeah, they're spoiled. Yeah. We're just a product of our environments over here. That's, That's why we're right. on the fantasy end doing the analysis. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're stuck inside. We gotta, <laughs> yep. gotta, gotta update the spreadsheets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, cool, Mike. Uh, I don't wanna, I know it's, uh, getting late on your end. I don't wanna keep you too long, but is there anything you got, uh, fun coming up at, uh, Sports Ethos you wanna plug or anything? Uh, just my weekly PGA DFS article that usually comes out on Tuesdays. Um, give you a couple days to prep for that. Um, Wednesday nights, I, I try and post a little, uh, thread about some of the research that I do for that week, uh, using yes. that fantasy national site. I, I make some, a few different models about key stats for the week and, uh, just, you know, trying to help give uh, a little insight to my thought process throughout the week. And um, yeah, just check out the Twitter. Try to drop some tidbits on there throughout the week. Yeah. Mike LaFam 10 and you're doing some football work too. Is that right? Yeah. I, um, that's pretty, that's coming to a close here with the Super Bowl. but uh, Oh yeah. 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 Um, Go Chiefs. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan. Don't ask how that happened, but um, you know I'll, I'll be rooting for the Chiefs as well. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's bad, but um, uh, I've it, my whole my whole night's ruined now. No, um, <laughs> sorry, we did. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you can check out. Like I said, the articles every week. It's completely free, so go check it out. Yeah, definitely check them out. I've um been great work. Um real fun having it. you. Uh, fun having the sports ethos golf guys get together yeah. talk a little golf <laughs> disc golf crossover episode. Um yeah, yeah I'm excited. Fun. Yeah, we could touch base. Ho- hopefully uh when golf gets those season long 
leagues up up yeah. and run it too. And and then once disc golf gets the daily fantasy, we'll both we'll both be on a good level. There we go. Sounds sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining. Enjoy the no, rest of your thank evening. You for having me. Thanks. You too, bud. That will do it for this episode of Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. Huge shout out to Mike for joining the show. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at mlafim10 and make sure to check out his work on sports ethos. Thank you so much for listening. May all your bogeys become birdies.